Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And today, welcome back to the weekly recap. It's been a while. It's been, oh, it has been a little bit. This is probably like a, this is like a two-weekly recap. This yep. is a two-week recap. Yep. Yeah, so... Well, this is the second time we've had to do this in about a month because I've been gone. Um, we'll give the preview before we say why I've been gone. Because we'll lead off with why I was gone because I'm self-important. That's oh, definite, wow. that's definitely why. Then we'll, <laughs> then we'll start talking about men's basketball, women's basketball, specifically transfer news for both before going into a let's call it a healthy dose of the bat cats. Yeah. But let's first begin with where I was. Uh, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, competing at the American Forensics Association National Speech Tournament, where I ended up finishing, I think, one or two spots away from being a national semifinalist. I ended up advancing to the quarterfinals, representing the great state, or representing, yes, the great state of Kansas, because we're the only forensics program in Kansas. Um, Really? Yes. I didn't know that. I think maybe Bethel. But we're the only Division One. That's a lot. Interesting. Oh, well. we're, we're, the only, we're the only one Division One university with a forensics program. I ended up being a national quarterfinalist. So, yeah, that's Pretty where sick. I was. Don't be modest. You were one away. I was one away. Yeah. Damn good showing. Yep. I. So that's where I was. <laughs> I was just chilling. Yeah, <laughs> being chilling. I was doing things nowhere near as important i know forensics at nationals is not important don't lie i guarantee it's more important than ghost recon breakpoint so okay maybe (laughs) yeah that's where i was so with that out of the way we can begin talking about men's basketball transfer news and between (laughs) the last episode now we only have three people on the team left. Everyone else has transferred. Yep. The three people left are Marquise Noel, Ishmael Masood, and Logan Landers. That's it. We've lost... For, for scholarships. For scholarship. No, I think we lost Drew Honus as well. Yeah. We have the two other dudes, though. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> the starting five. <laughs> Trey Harris and Jordan Smith, I believe. Uh, the starting five as of right now. Marquise Noel, Ishmael Masood, Logan Landers, and two walk-ons. <laughs> we might win a game. We might win. Well, I mean, Marquise is pretty good. Yeah. I like-ish. It's all, it's all, well, actually, we could field a, a team. We'd have two fours, so if the team had a true five, we'd be screwed. But <laughs> we would have two fours. Uh, all Landers is kind of a five, but we'd effectively have two fours. He's a little undersized at the five. Yeah. Then Marquise at the point, and Trey and Jordan at the wings. It wouldn't be a good starting five, but it would be a starting five. Be, that is one of the starting fives of all time. It is one of the starting fives of all time. Yeah. That cannot be debated. Yeah. So who we've lost, we've lost. We'll go in and we'll give a sentence on how much it hurts. Salton Miguel. I wanted his potential and his defense. Yeah. I retweet, copy paste. We're saving the biggest one for last. Yeah. Davion Bradford. If we got freshman him, it'd be great. Yeah, but we didn't. So, Casey Eziegu, goodbye to our last big. <laughs> so long. Gone forever. We'll miss you. Um, Luke Kasubke, I'll miss your random three. Yeah, the, the one three per game was nice. And he also had a pretty cool layup against Baylor. That's it. That, that is all. And then Carlton Lingard. I will miss him randomly dropping 12 against Iowa State in 2020 on the road. Yep. That is that is all. Max Edwards. I wish he hadn't gotten hurt. Yep. Sorry, Lewis. I, I wish he, he hadn't, hadn't gotten, gotten hurt. hurt. Then finally? Am I missing one? Other than the obvious that we're saving for last? Drahonis. I wish you had made a three in garbage time. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and finally... Yeah, I think that's it. The big one. Nigel Pack ends up transferring away with... Uh, sad. Sad. It's sad. Sad. I am sad. Um, 
for for a team that says they're not here to rebuild to ele- but to elevate by the literal definition they must now rebuild <laughs> like yeah. it is necessary you will be elevating by, by rebuilding. rebuilding i'm going to gaslight everyone into believing that's what he <laughs> <laughs> revisionist historian here yeah which honestly like that's probably not that far off no i feel as though Tang, and he's even said this publicly, some of the guys were gently pushed out. They were basically told, we, run or, we want to play a different style of basketball than what you bring. So if you can't jump shoot particularly well, and you aren't like particularly athletic, then like you're not going to stick around. Like, Selton Miguel is not a bad basketball player, but he doesn't fit uh, a lot of what Tang wants, which is a jump shooter. And Salt Miguel's anything but a jump shooter. Yeah. <laughs> he's a great defender, like what Tang wants. And he's got good agility and things like that, but he's oddly not the best athlete, which I think is a misconception about him. That he's an incredible athlete. But I mean sometimes he struggles to get above the rim when he dunks. So Yeah. Um and then there's most of the guys that we're losing are guys that I'm going to be sad that we lose because I felt like they had potential to be good. Yeah. Max Edwards um, Siri Lewis, uh, I'm gonna miss Kasubki because I, f- I feel like there's a lot of guys on this roster that I feel like got injured and were never the same. Uh, Kasubki had some really good high school film and uh, had a pretty bad foot injury and just never recovered. Carlton Lingard is the same, Casey hasn't looked never looked the same after his injury. Uh, Max Edwards was hurt this year, and honestly, based on historical patterns, was not gonna look. He was probably taking the Luke Suzuki track, except he was an undersized power forward. He was like a six foot four, four. Yeah, which that's great if you're in like the Summit League. <laughs> like if that's like a North Dakota State build, but like and he's a great athlete, but just not a four. Yeah. Like a lot of guys that you're sad to lose based on potential, but there's obviously the one glaring loss that does legitimately really hurt just from a pure skill and impact on the game standpoint, and that's an actual pack. I, that, that was one that I did not expect. I figured he would stick around based off his statements. But, I mean, we've seen some pretty plain language coming from K-State in the last few days. I don't know if you saw, you may not have seen, but Gene Taylor kind of said about it. Because he went on a podcast, and he pretty plainly said that Nigel didn't give the new staff much of a shot. Which, that's the athletic department line. So, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and disparage Pack for, you know, not feeling committed to a new staff that comes in and replaces the one that he had committed to. You know, I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to insinuate. But it, it is unfortunate that, if that is true, which we don't know, yeah. that the staff didn't get more of a fair shake but you know at the end of the day that's fine because if pack wants to play basketball elsewhere then he should because if he wants to leave and can't that's probably worse yeah so no then obviously we wish the best for for all of these people yeah. Un- unless we get news that like they left on bad terms but like i don't foresee that happening but <laughs> Am I missing something? <laughs> For those that know, they know. Okay. I guess you'll have to inform me. You you do know as well. Do I? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, if you know, you know, we're moving on. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but, yeah, so everyone is gone. Pump the brakes on already being doomer about it. It's been like 10 days. It's been like 10 days. Like, yes, I'm concerned that currently we only have three scholarship players. I also believe that it will work itself out. Yeah. Um, LSU has zero right now. True. (laughs) I believe Murray State has zero right now as well. But they at least have commits for the future. Uh, LSU does not have any commits for 2022 or 2023. They all got released from their uh, NLIs. And... They have no scholarship players right now. 
Uh, K-State at least has three players on scholarship, plus uh, two walk-ons, and they're actively recruiting right now. But they also have an incomplete staff. Um, probably should be finished in the next month or so. Yeah. I think that's a fair timeline to expect to... I mean... It's, I think a lot of the reason that fans are starting to get worried is because nothing's happened for a few days. Yeah. For a while there, there was something happening constantly. There was the big Brad chase. Everybody for a while was like, Brad's going to come home. And then after that, you know, everybody joined the Tang gang. and The Doom Tang clan. The Doom Tang clan. Buy our merch. <laughs> but everybody joined the Doom Tang clan. And it was exciting. The rumors were leading up to what national writers started reporting on it. Everyone was like, wow, what a great hire by K-State. And all the assistants got announced. He had his incredible press conference and all of that. And the assistants got announced and everything was happening. And since then, it's kind of slowed to a halt. Yeah. Because there's not much to happen right now. Yeah. As of the day that we're recording, it's a recruiting dead period. And then I think it opens up this weekend, which will be like the 8th through the 10th. And then there will be another short dead period for a few more days. And then it really opens up and uh, there can be a direct contact. Yeah. And then um, I lost my train of thought. But anyway, uh, the bas- basketball, there's, there's not much happening right now just because that's kind of by design. There's a bit of a lull after the tournament's done. Uh, but rest assured... I'm sure the coaches are actually doing their job and you know, doing everything that they can, uh, getting guys that are here, workouts, getting recruits in on visits, things like things of that nature. But I mean, it is nowhere close to time to hit the no the uh, yeah, panic button. button yeah. yeah, I I am firmly of the belief that the time to hit the panic button on the roster is if it isn't full or mostly full by football season. Yeah. Because that, that's, that's time to get scared. Yes. But we got a long time between then and now, and we have a head coach getting his feet wet first time head coaching. Uh, and then uh, assistants getting comfortable in their new roles in a new place. So exercise patience. We can, we can get the torches out and the pitchforks later if we need to. But just keep those in the shed for now. For just, now. Yeah, just yeah. No no need to go grab them yet, but keep the key on you just in case. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it will be necessary because no. I have there's no reason to not have faith in the staff right now to figure it out. I'll save harsh criticisms on if the recruiting is good or bad until after we've seen some work from them. And even then you know, it may be a light cycle because even though they're prestigious people, you know, Casey had been on a downturn for a couple of years. They need to establish local connections and they, they're, they're all pretty new to this job. Yurik uh, Malagi uh, has never been uh, an associate head coach before. Uh, Jerome Tang's never been a head coach. Uh, this is Marco Bourne's highest level of basketball by far. Uh, Jareem Dowling is at his highest level of basketball as well. So it's it's going to take a bit. I'm not worried yet. I would like something to happen. <laughs> That'd be cool. I'd welcome a commitment. <laughs> I, I would love for every five-star in the country to fight to commit to K-State at the moment. That'd be fun. I agree. I, I think that'd be pretty swell. But we'll see if it happens. And it may not immediately. But exercise patience. Yeah. So with that, you know, bit of negative news, we also have a bit of good news from the women's basketball team in terms of transfers in. And the new member of your women's basketball team is guard Gabby Gregory from the University of Oklahoma, a school that we saw twice this last year. And although the first time didn't go their way, uh, something to the tune of 61 points from one person in particular. Yep. The second game did end up going their way, and it became largely because of their outside shooting. Gabby Gregory is someone who, although had limited minutes, I believe averaged like 12 points a game, mostly from outside shooting, and that was our biggest weakness. Yeah, Uh, and Gabby Gregory, as a junior this past season, 
um, as I recall, had highly productive freshman and sophomore seasons and then didn't really do a whole lot this past season. And I think I remember hearing that she was dealing with an injury of some sort that limited her ability to see the floor for very long and also just inhibited her talent. But she did have two very quality uh, early seasons where she averaged double figures and her sophomore season averaged, I think, like 16 a game Mm. and shot like 36% from outside, which would have been, I believe, best on the team for us this year, which is a little sad. Which is very sad. But at the same time, you know, Jeff Mitty's going out and getting pretty much exactly what we needed, which is an outside shooter and a backup ball handler. And Gabby Gregory, I mean, we we do need warm bodies just to back up uh, um, our young players. So I'm happy with this addition. I I don't see much of a downside to it, really. Um, This reminds me a lot of the Sidney Goodson addition that was made. There were some mixed feelings on Sydney Goodson amongst the fan base. I thought she was good. And she, because uh, Sydney Goodson transferred in from Texas Tech, and this was a couple years ago as a grad transfer, mm-hmm. and uh, ran the point for the team most of the year. And uh, uh, I believe this was in like 2020, 2021 season. And I, I thought she did an all right job. It was getting the ball in against a press that. Really messed that team up. I mean, geez, yikes. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, that's it's nice that we're getting some transfer news early. I'm I'm really excited about the women's team next year. I, I think that Gabby Gregory is the type of player that can help elevate the roster. Jerome Tang's fingerprints getting into my vocabulary already. <laughs> but but I mean, some quality freshmen coming in, some quality young players on the team already. Uh, bringing in a veteran presence just to help. Uh, bring like a the old wisdom i say like she's like 80 years old she's <laughs> like a senior <laughs> yeah i i will say that probably the funniest part about it was Mitty yesterday posting the women's team just got better and both of us were like what does he mean <laughs> elaborate jeff yeah well, I, I saw that i was like could you like could you add something to it please no, no. okay <laughs> sure but yeah Welcome to the team, Gabby Gregory. So now we get a healthy, and I do mean healthy, dosage of bat cats. Yeah. Because we have one, two, three, four, five, I think five series to go over. Yeah. Granted, some of those are two games. And one is one game. But but we're, a lot. we're still not gonna we're, we say this every single time we've covered Batcats and we never do it we're going to just look over the games as opposed to diving deep into them but let's firstly begin with the series against Texas Christian University TCU in Fort Worth Texas this is a series that did not go our way at all no in fact, it, we got swept it did not this was a game that uh first game yeah first game we lose seven to five uh we put up a late fight put up three runs in the top of the ninth weren't able to close out we actually out hit tcu in this game 10 to 7 but two errors two errors <laughs> jeez always it's always it's always something uh when it when it comes to errors um uh, errors from blake adams and orlando salinas in this game uh but Pitching wasn't an awful game. Uh, not the best outing for Blake Adams. Four walks, just one strikeout, a couple out pitches. Uh, four earned and five runs total. Um, after that, uh, Corsentino, Ty Rule, and Nico Rodriguez uh, combined to go the rest of the way, which was an additional uh, three. Yeah, three innings pitched. Mm. And they did, they were, they were serviceable. Only two strikeouts for the Batcats in this game uh, from the pitching side. So, not the best. Yeah, but we did have extra base hits on our side from Dominic Johnson, Dylan Phillips, Nick Goodwin, and Cole Johnson. And then, of course, Kayla Culpepper, who's beginning to make this a habit, <laughs> got, got hit by a pitch. Yeah, and he also went two for three uh, from the plate and scored two runs. Culpepper has been phenomenal. 
as a freshman. But unfortunately, Bobcats dropped the first game. Um, although they did uh, put up a fight late. They were down 7-2 going to the top of the ninth. And uh, were able to narrow it to a two-run lead. but They made it interesting at the end. They did, but couldn't quite get over the hump. Yep. And then the next game happened where we ended up losing 14-5. Yep. Uh, a, this was a vintage Bat-Cats game where they just... One bad inning. Yeah, one bad inning. Uh, hit difference was only one. 11 TCU hits to 10 K-State, but I, I always find it interesting whenever games are like that yet the runs are just so far apart because i have a little tiny brain but <laughs> but the cats they uh led through two and this game was t- uh and then they took the lead again in the top of the fourth and led until the bottom of the fifth uh and then from there on it, it was all tcu um a lot of um uh extra base hits Cash Rugely, Josh Nikoloff, Nick Goodwin, and Justin Mitchell had doubles. I mean, Justin Mitchell getting a double is a triple for anyone else. <laughs> and then Dom Hughes and Kalen Culpepper each added a home run. Um, what is SH? I think I, I, am I stupid? I don't know, but it's the same name, so maybe solo home run? Maybe so. We might be stupid. Anywho. but And then an error from Cole Johnson this game. Uh, pitching... Uh, Connor McCullough, four two-thirds innings, four hits, four runs, four earned, four walks, four strikeouts, a lot of fours. Three wild pitches, though, unfortunately. Couldn't quite <laughs> Unfor- get to four. Unfortunately. Yeah. And then a hit by pitch as well. Landry Jureka, however, was uh, credited with a loss. He went one-third of an inning, giving up uh, three earned runs on three hits with two walks and a strikeout and a wild pitch. Landry Weidman didn't do any better. Uh, in zero innings, gave up four earned with two walks uh, on two hits. Westmore came in with three walks, a strikeout, and one earned. And Blake Corsentino went two and two-thirds to close the game, which is one earned, a strikeout, on um, two hits. Really, really rough day for the uh, bullpen. And even for starting, that was probably Connor McCullough's worst outing of the year. Yeah. Which even then, it wasn't terrible the three wild pitches is pretty bad but yeah as a as a yikes from the uh middle portion of the uh uh bullpen there yeah yeah this is just another game where you don't have much to talk about it's yeah tom johnson went two for four again drew another walk that's about it i mean there's not a lot to write home like you said uh nick goodwin drew two walks he's been drawing a lot of walks and what has otherwise been a difficult season for him up until that point. But, yeah, tough, tough day uh, for the Batcats. DC is a really quality opponent, but, I mean, uh, it's tough. And then the final game to complete the sweep against our favor was another blowout in favor of TCU. They ended up winning 11-3, to getting 17 hits to our 7, and we also gave up an error. Yep, and this was a game that really just got out of hand at the end. We actually tied this game at three in the top of the sixth. Then they followed that up with eight unanswered to end the game. Three in the sixth, one in the seventh, four in the eighth, making the bottom of the ninth uh, null. Yeah. But uh, Dom Johnson went hitless in this game. Not going to see that very often. Cole Johnson went three for four with all three... Runs being batted in by Cole Johnson. Good on you. He's been actually having a quietly good batting season. He's been overshadowed by Dom Johnson and Dylan Phillips. but Which, like, yeah. Uh, fair. <laughs> Cole Johnson's been really uh, great, I would say. Yeah, so is Culpepper. Yeah, Culpepper. Got another hit by pitch for Culpepper in this game. Uh, he however, crowds the plate. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, he did commit a fielding error in this game. I think that might have been his first of the year. He was... Really great this season uh, uh, defensively, but yeah. finally committing an error. Doubles for Dom Hughes and a good one in Cole Johnson in this game. But TCU, yikes. We're going to unfortunately look at our pitching stats here. Griffin Hassel's credited with the loss. He started this game, went five and a third, ten hits, yikes. Uh, five earned. Yikes. Uh, and two strikeouts. No walks, at least. It seemed like we were. It seemed like a ton of walks this game or this series. But 
I went 100 pitches in five and a third, 26 batters faced. Uh, pretty tough outing for Griffin Hassel. Uh, Colin Rothermill comes in for one and two thirds, five hits, two earned, and a walk. Uh, then Ty Rule, one third of an inning, uh, four earned, two hits, two walks, and a wild pitch. And then Tyson Neighbors came in for two thirds of an inning with two walks, a strikeout, and a hit by pitch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, our pitchers just got blown up by TCU. Uh, really, really unfortunate. Um, not a lot else to say about it. Those last two games were rough. I think losing that first game... Really uh, set us back. Yeah. Um, you'd love to go on the road and steal one from TCU, but TCU has phenomenal baseball culture. I mean, they... They're a Texas school, so of course they do. Yeah, they, they just get people to their games. I mean, like, they're... Like, stadium was probably at, like, two-thirds capacity on Saturday, and it was probably 1,500 more people than Toyton can fill, period. <laughs> so, but it was a tough outing for the Batcats down in Fort Worth. But yeah, that's not how you want to open your conference slate. <laughs> definitely not. But they did come home uh, to face Northern Colorado. So. Yep. A 6-20 and 20 squad when we started the series, but that doesn't matter because we ended up beating them in the first game, 8-6, uh, to six, to the tune of getting out hit by them, but also, in a rare twist, not committing any errors, whereas UNC committed 5. 5 errors in one game, and some of them were pretty atrocious. I saw a few of them on the ESPN Plus broadcast, and some of them, granted, the wind was awful in this game i'll be fair the wind has assassinated so many balls here yeah there was a uh, there was a ball that was a pretty much routine pop-up that the wind blew at last second probably 10 feet and (laughs) a first baseman was just standing under it and he just missed it and it was gonna be foul and it blew fair and turned into like a double so (laughs) so you know it's like it's tough but at the same time like that's just kind of the reality yeah. Uh, but uh, Northern Colorado made this an interesting game at the end. The Backcats led uh, after six in this game, according to my calculations. Let me do some quick math. <laughs> seven to three. Um, and then after the seventh inning, um, it was eight, four, eight, five. And yeah, eight, five. And then Northern Colorado added another one in the eighth. Kept this one interesting. But the Backcats were able to put them away by the end. Because uh, I believe they, uh, yeah, they put a runner on uh, in the ninth, but they didn't. They were not unable to do anything with it. They had a guy, yeah, uh, Shaden Kubo, uh, North Colorado did one four for five with uh, two runs, one RBI, only struck out once, had a really great game. I remember them mentioning him on the broadcast. Uh, so good on you, yeah. but yeah, a lot of fielding errors for. Uh, 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 Northern Colorado 2 for Ashton Manser. Which is unlucky. You hate yeah, to see it. That could happen to anybody. Really could have. But, yeah. Backcats, we'll go down the list. Uh, doubles. Dom Hughes had a double, as did Rafael Pelletier. Dylan Phillips, Josh Nikoloff, and Cole Johnson had homers. And Nick Goodwin had two sacrifice flies in this game. And then Dom Johnson added a stolen base. Cole Johnson was caught stealing. But go down and look at pitching here. Uh, Herman Fajardo uh, started this game, had a really strange outing, uh, went three innings, had eight strikeouts, uh, a one walk, and four hits, no earned runs, and then got pulled after three. Because <laughs> he'd thrown 73 pitches. <laughs> yeah. And had a lot of long ABs, but got a lot of strikeouts. He, he's a quintessential K-State pitcher, pretty much. Just strikeout, yep, strikeout been, merchant. Yep, that's been the year. Yep. Chris Herb uh, came in and uh, went one and a third with four hits, three earned, one walk, one strikeout. Landry Jureka came and had a better outing than he did against TCU, but saw a great one. Two and a third, two hits, two earned runs, three strikeouts, no walks. Elijah Dale who has a lot of promise as a young pitcher. Still trying to get it under control, though. Uh, went two-thirds of an inning with two hits, an earned run, a walk, a strikeout, and a wild pitch. And Ty Rule came in, gets credit with the save. One and two-thirds innings with one hit, four strikeouts, a wild pitch, and a hit-by-pitch. 
in this game. Uh, Herman Fajardo gets credit with the win for K State in this one. So, yep, good, good. game for the Batcats. Mm-hmm. And, and going through uh, batting, uh, Dylan Phillips probably has the best day uh, hitting the ball with uh, two for three with a run, two RBI, and two walks, uh, no strikeouts. So, pretty nice day from him. Goodwin uh, did go 0 for 3, but had two sack flies. So, that's the difference in this game. So, yeah. good on him. Josh Nikolov had a nice day as well, DHing 2 for 5, uh, as was Dom Johnson. Other than that, not a lot of standout batting days from the Batcats. Oh, uh, Dom Hughes did go 2 for 3, or 2 for 4 with 3 runs and a walk. So, so we got everything we needed. Yep. Then the next day, we ended up finishing the series with Northern Colorado. We ended up winning, so we ended up sweeping the series. We ended up winning this game 10-7 with Dylan Phillips getting the save. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? Pete Hughes loves his hybrid outfielders, pitchers. He does. But yeah, this was, <laughs> of all the K-State baseball games, this was one of them. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was certainly a baseball game. I can't argue with that. Yeah. But, yeah, we can view the, the batting statistics. Yeah. Um, Batcats get a tight win in this one. Uh, Dom Johnson, though, goes over. Uh, although he does draw walks, strikes out three times. Dom Hughes also goes over, but walks, scores two runs. I think must have got hit by a pitch. He must did. Have. Um, but then Dylan Phillips goes one for four with a walk and a strikeout. But then you have Cole Johnson who goes four for four. He said, okay, fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, four for four, three runs, an RBI, and a walk. So he so he got on base every time he went to the plate. Good yep. on you. Brady Day, one for four. Goodwin, 0 for two with uh, another sack fly, it looks like, with an RBI, two walks, and a run. Nikoloff, one for one. With three RBI and Nikoloff walked four times this game. Said I, I don't need to swing. Swinging is dumb, he said. <laughs> Justin Mitchell did have a tough day. 0 for five, only one strikeout. Just wasn't hit at the right places. Then uh, Orlando Salinas goes one for four, uh, two RBI. I believe he had a home run and two strikeouts. Uh, no home run. No, he didn't. He had a triple. So Cole Johnson had a double, Orlando Salinas had a triple, and then Nick Goodwin had a sack fly. In terms of stolen bases, Dom Johnson and Josh Nikoloff ended up getting some, as well as Dom Hughes ended up getting hit by a pitch, as did Brady Day, and the lone error in the day belongs to Justin Mitchell behind the plate. Yep. Um, then throwing the ball, Christian Rubeck gets the start. He was the day three starter in the weekends, but has been relegated to uh, weekday starts until he gets... More control on on his pitches. Thought you were about to just say like better. <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna say that. Like he he is a lot like Carson Seymour, and that I think his I feel like his role in this team should be a long reliever. They found out Carson Seymour was a good long reliever last year. Like I remember he had a game where he actually went six innings as a relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. Just like came in in the third and just pitched the whole way. It's like all right, fine. It was I'll like it was over. great. And Rubek, uh, he's. A high heat pitcher, um, but isn't quite able to locate enough at times. Uh, I've seen him touch 98 uh, on his fastball, but he is just struggling with control at the moment. His command isn't great. But Rubeck went three innings uh, with three hits, four earned, three walks, five strikeouts, a wild pitch, and a hit by pitch. 77 pitches and in three innings is suboptimal, as they say. <laughs> the- suboptimal play here. <laughs> Nico Rodriguez had a very, very rough outing. Uh, went two-thirds of an inning, no hits, three earned, five walks, no strikeouts, and a hit-by-pitch. Had faced eight batters but only had one at-bat. Okay. Yep. And went 39 pitches in two-thirds of an inning, and then he was never seen again. Uh, Landry Weidman came in. Uh, he's credited with the victory in this game. It was three and two-thirds, two hits, three walks, four strikeouts, no earned runs. And then Dylan Phillips gets the save. He goes one and two thirds and strikes out everyone he sees. So five strikeouts for the man, the myth, the legend, Dylan Phillips, who can just do everything, I guess. Also known as Shohei Otani. <laughs> I guess so. He he is unstoppable in every sense of the word. Yeah. That's the Northern Colorado game. That's this fine series. Ended up sweeping. 
Then we hit the wall. <laughs> Again. Yeah. We end up banging our head against the wall against number six in the nation, Oklahoma State. We ended up winning the last game, but we're not there yet. The first game was a loss 12-9 to in favor of the Okie State Cowboys. This was a very frustrating game. Yeah, that, you can tell by the errors. Yeah, three errors for the uh, Backcats in this one. Uh, they out-hit Oklahoma State by four, 11-7 in the hitting department. But again, you know, if fans or butts were the final score, <laughs> we would we would have won the game. But yeah, the three errors end up uh, really hurting the, uh, yes, I see it too. <laughs> I see the screen messing up. We'll deal with we'll it. We'll edit it in post. <laughs> and if we don't, we'll just put up like a picture of like, hey, Aggie Bill Alley Cats. Yep. But Oklahoma... It seems to have remedied itself. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma State wins this one. Uh, it was tied after four, two to two, and then Oklahoma State goes ten unanswered in the top of the fifth and top of the sixth. A lot of those were just walked in. Yeah. Yeah, of course they were. Uh, and then the Backcats put up a valiant effort, put up four in the sixth, three in the seventh, but are unable to get back into it. Kind of story of the season, really. The Bats are Cold showing up. The worst times. Yeah. And the bat. I was going to say the Bats are trying to carry this team. Oh, yeah. But the pitching, the bullpen specifically, I oh, feel yeah. like, the has... Walks. The walks. Has been so rough. We're going to go over the walks first. I, I want to specifically look at the uh, sixth inning for Oklahoma State. Um, oh, boy. Ground out. So we start with an, an out. So we have one out on the board here. So I only need two more, according to my math. Yep. I think that's how it goes. It's <laughs> <laughs> one. <laughs> then uh, uh, a reach on a fielding error by second. A single to right center. Then a fly out. So there's two outs here. Blake Adams comes in. He's a normal starter on Fridays, but P. Hughes had a strategy. It was one of the strategies of all time. And it was to <laughs> not start Blake Adams, to use him twice this weekend. Which, okay, I get the logic. It worked on Sunday. It did not work on Friday. No. But, um, and this... First run that scores, granted, is not Blake Adams' fault. This is a fielding error by shortstop uh, that allows a run to score from second. And it was a completely routine grounder that just was not made routine. Uh, Goodwin has had some defensive struggles at shortstop this year. Uh, Then after that, it begins. It begins. (laughs) uh, A walk to load the bases. Then another walk to walk in a run. Then another walk to walk in a run. Then another walk to walk in a run. And then a pinch hit for the guy that flew out earlier in the inning. So they bat around. And a fly. So Blake Adams came in and walked home three straight. Granted, they all were unearned because of the fielding error. But he walked all of them. And and they also, funnily enough, all those walks were on 3-1 counts. Yep. Yeah, ball, 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 strike, ball, foul, four straight balls, ball, strike, ball, 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 strike, ball. We got the first one down. We got the first strike. We just need to get two more. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was the story of the fifth inning. Um, and then the sixth inning. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Ty Rule comes in to pitch for Blake Adams. Uh, fly out, then a 3-2 walk after strike, strike, ball, foul. So, ball, ball, ball. And then ball, ball, ball. So we had we had him on the ropes, 1-2, 0-2, and then walk him. Then he stole second, then a walk after four straight balls after getting two strikes. Then a walk, advance to second, advance to third. Then walk or run home, walk or run home. Fly out to right field, sack, fly, score. Then a three-run homer. Then a single to center field, and then a ground out to second. It's now twelve to two. It's now twelve to two. Welcome to the Batcats. Yep, and we tried. My God, we tried. My God, the bats did everything they could. We really put the bat in Batcats this game. Yeah, but there's only so much you can do. I I just wanted to take everybody through the pain of that. I, I was listening to this game uh, and also watching some of it. 
uh, bits and pieces. Just wow, what a frustrating game. Yeah. Uh, Blake Orsentino goes four and two thirds, five hits, four runs, two earned, one walk, two strikeouts. Adams, a third of an inning, four walks, two runs, unearned. Ty rules the real culprit here. Although he does not get credit with the lots, it's Corsentino. Poor guy. He did not. He deserved a better fate. Ty rule. <laughs> um, goes a full inning, four walks, six earned runs, two hits, forty-three pitches in one inning. That is tough. tough. However, Ben Weber did good. An individual that I had never heard of, never had pitched. He is a sophomore from Omaha. Juco transfer, six foot two fifteen. I do not believe he had ever seen the field at Kansas State University. No. He had not. And he comes in and goes three innings, three strikeouts, one walk, no hits, no earned, and 43 pitches. So Good job, Ben. Ben just comes in and is really good. Perhaps we should have used him earlier in this game. Uh, all right but back hats do drop this game hitting mm, home runs happened yep double by dylan phillips home run by jeff heinrich home run by dylan phillips home run by cash rugely stolen base by josh nikoloff error by nick goodwin (laughs) error by cash rugely and then error by justin mitchell (sighs) it has been tough sledding at times for this defense yeah. Most of the time for this defense. All the time for this defense. It, it has been very unfortunate to watch. I am very thankful for Ben Weber coming in and calming the waters, as they say, to uh, yeah, I, you know, just figure it out effectively. Yeah, we're, we're currently looking at the... We're looking to see how many fielding errors Nick Goodwin has. It's 11. It's and, and he has one. He has a in, fielding percentage of 8.92. Yeah. And that's the last four games he has an error as well. He had two against Moorhead State at one point. Two against Cal State Fullerton. Two in the first two games. One here. Had a nice little streak going here where he didn't do anything wrong. And that, that's, I mean, that's the one blemish. And then he continues. The last four games have been really rough defensively. For, uh, Mr. Goodwin, uh, a lot of errors. That is not a good fielding percentage, as they say. <laughs> no, it's not. As someone whose calling card when you played baseball was defense, that hurts. That hurts a lot. And he's been the thing is he's been he's been decent uh, behind um, at the plate, uh, especially the last few games. I feel like he's been finding uh, his strokes. He's had a few opposite field home runs the last couple games, which has been very impressive. Yeah. But tough stretch for him defensively. Yep, and then the next game, unfortunately, was also a loss. OSU ended up winning 8-6, to six, out hit, <gasps> out-hitting us. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so they got caught in my throat. Um, it was 8-6. to six. K-State ended up losing by getting out-hit, and, of course, we out-errored them. A tradition of... unlike any other. Yep. I went to this game. Uh, it Who was... was it? It was a beautiful day. Beautiful day, 64, sunny, 10-mile-per-hour winds from left field. I sat in the uh, bleachers down the uh, first baseline. The student section. Yeah, although it was mainly like just general adults, like general admission people out there. I don't yeah. know why I said general adults. I'm an adult. Gen- but, <laughs> I'm an adult. Yeah, I will say the Oklahoma State cheering section was uh, right by me. <laughs> you told me about They this. were the most annoying opposing fans I have ever dealt with. They were very, they were getting on my, they, they sang songs and did chants. Uh, one of them went, I see a hole out there. I see a hole out there. I see an H-O-L-E hole out there. So hit the ball out there. So hit the ball out there. So hit the B-A-L-L ball out there. So we can win this game. So we can win this game. And then they realize that they use a three-letter word after making a song for four-letter words. And we'll just say W-I-N-N win this game. 
It was... I mean, it clearly affected you because you remember I'm, it. I'm not the one that needs to be affected by it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am not the one that needs to be affected. The funniest thing that they did was flirt with the first base umpire, I will say. It was primarily women that were doing the chanting. There were dudes there, but they were not the ones flirting with the umpire, which would have been interesting. I, I, I think that would have been cool. But I think it would have been cool if the men in the audience were flirting with the first base umpire. It would have been a progressive move by the Oklahoma Safe One of many. But it was quite an experience. Um, but other than, but other than that, I mean, like, I'm not gonna like get too upset uh, with like fans jeering. It was mainly just that they were right there and they were very, very loud and shrill. <laughs> so annoying. Yes. I don't mind fans being happy about their team being good because I am happy about my team being good. It was just very loud, and I had a headache, so I, I didn't love it. But it's okay. It's in the past. And they, um, the weird thing was that they were loudest when their pitcher was on the mound because they were like trying to like Interesting mess with our batters, but I feel like... No, that messes with the pitcher more. That's kind of what I thought. They like didn't really. They chatted with our pitchers some, but not a lot. Uh, but the not to make it about me. The hallmark of this game was uh, Dylan Phillips uh, taking the uh, home run record. Yeah, uh, this was because he had. T- uh, I believe he had tied it a few nights before. I think it was the previous night. I, I oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. He either tied it or was one off the previous night because either way he broke it in this game because he had two home runs. Yeah. But in the first inning, he went up to the plate and everyone was like, hey, you know, Dylan Phillips, or I think it was he uh, broke it. Uh, uh, like, uh, like he tied it the previous night. And then 0-1 count in the first inning, uh, just homer to right center, like got it over with, got, got the monkey off of his back, which I am. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you might as well just get it done with. I am. He just absolutely smoked it to right center, like he smokes every home run he has. Yeah. And it it was just an absolute missile, and it got out of town real quick. Uh, everybody was very excited for him. And then after that, uh, when we went out uh, to go on defense, uh, he jogged out uh, to the infield, and Pete Hughes held back the whole dugout so he could be the only guy on the field for. Uh, like a few moments. Oh, it was cool with him. It was very cool. And Dylan Phillips definitely did not realize that was going to happen because he turned around and was very confused. But <laughs> nobody was following him out. No, Dylan Phillips, you're the only person playing defense this inning. <laughs> Might be better. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, uh, but then he like figured it out. And, you know, there was a, a, a nice cheer for him. And they announced it over the PA that he had set the record for uh case home runs in a career and then he did it again in the sixth inning uh, he do it again yeah, yeah sent a two-run homer uh to right field on a 3-1 count uh, and uh, brought don hughes around however in between those two things happened we scored no runs and oklahoma state scored seven yeah which is unfortunate yeah that kind of blew us up in the sixth inning uh we were cursed with the sixth inning uh, in the series i guess but i don't know we'll go down to batting uh, Dom Johnson goes two for four with an RBI in this game. Uh, Dom Hughes, 0 for two, uh, with two walks and two runs. Dylan Phillips, two for four, two runs, three RBI. Uh, didn't strike out in this game. Cole Johnson, 0 for two with a run and a walk. Uh, Nick Goodwin, one for four, with two RBI and two strikeouts. Josh Nikoloff, one for four with three strikeouts. Orlando Salinas, 0 for four, two strikeouts. Mitchell, 0 for three. Uh, then Kalen Culpepper went one for four with a run. Uh, doubles, Dom Johnson, Nick Goodwin, Kalen Culpepper, and then Dylan Phillips, of course, had the two home runs. And Cole Johnson was hit by a pitch. Dom Johnson and Nick Goodwin had errors in this game. So, yep. And we go down to pitching. Uh, Griffin Hassel started this game. Uh, he was credited with the loss in this one. Went five and a third, seven hits, six earned. Three walks, three strikeouts. He was having a phenomenal outing through like two and two thirds. And then. And then it kind of fell apart after that. And it got really rough. He went 95 pitches in this one. Herman Fajardo came in, went two and two thirds, three hits, two runs, one earned, 
two walks, three strikeouts, and a wild pitch. Dylan Phillips uh, closed this game out, got one strikeout, faced three batters. Good on you, Dylan. Good on you, Dylan. This was your day. It was. It really was his day. <laughs> but yeah. we were for a little bit churning through uh, Oklahoma State pitchers. At one point, they uh, changed pitchers, I think, uh, twice in the same inning uh, because they brought a dude in. He gave up three earned in two-thirds, which we can't really say anything about that because we have, we, we have the TCU series. Yeah. <laughs> but it was uh, – a game that I would say most of the game, even though we were close, uh, especially towards the end, it felt like we were down by 10 runs the entire game. And uh, being there, at least. Part of that was because of the Oklahoma State fans by me. <laughs> which, like, Killing morale. Yeah, yeah, they, they truly hurt my, my fan morale in, the, in this game. They accomplished their mission. Like, I... Like, I won't act like they aren't supposed to do that. No, they totally just, like, killed my spirits in this game. Like, the second that the last strike was thrown, I immediately left. I was like, I cannot stay and listen to them. I can't do this. <laughs> like, but, yeah, tough outing for the Batcats. Uh, this point uh, would have made them 0-5 in Big 12 play. Don't worry. But. They did win. They, they did. won the next game, 7-2, to out hitting Oklahoma State, but, of course, having the one error. And you know what? I'll give your voice a break. I'll take I'll take the majority here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, among several other things, the scoring started for Kansas State University in the second inning after Kalen Culpepper knocked in Justin Mitchell with a double. And it all really just went from there. It was pretty smooth sailing for the most part from there. You know, Dom, Dom Johnson ended up taking a 1-for-5, one, one strikeout, one left on base. Dom Hughes ended up taking an 0-for, unfortunately, before he got pitched for Jeff Heinrich, who also took an 0-for, who then, <laughs> who then Cameron Uselton was next up, who ended up taking a strikeout and an 0-for. Dylan Phillips was playing first base this game, ended up going 0-for-2, but with two walks. Cole Johnson ended up going 2-for-3 with two RBIs and a walk. Nick Goodwin, same stat line except for with a strikeout and two left on. Josh Nikoloff took an 0 for Orlando Salinas, went 1 for 2 with an RBI and two walks. Justin Mitchell ended up going 1 for 3 with an RBI. And then everyone else, Kalen Culpepper again, ended up going 1 for 3 with an RBI as well, as well as two people left on base. In terms of extra base hits, it was Cole Johnson with two doubles, and Nick Goodwin also had a double, as well as Kalen Culpepper. Nick Goodwin also tacked on a home run with Orlando Salinas and Justin Mitchell joining in on the fun. And with base running, stolen bases by Dom Johnson, Dylan Phillips. Unfortunately, Dom Johnson was also caught once by his former team in Oklahoma State. Justin Mitchell was hit by a pitch, and Orlando Salinas did something. And of course, the one error, Nick Drum. Goodwin. Nick Goodwin. I, I'm trying to find out what a... P.O. is in baseball stats. Normally it's a put-out. That's what I thought. But you don't put-out during... Oh, picked off. Oh, you're right. Um, He was picked off in, in this game. It was a very... It was a, a numbskull moment, I would say. Uh, it was very annoying. Of course. Yeah. In terms of pitching, Connor McCullough ended up starting this game, ended up going six total innings with two earned on five hits, four walks, six strikeouts, getting a total of 99 pitches in with seven grindouts and three flyouts on 26 batters faced. McCullough had a Bach in this game, it looks like. Yep. I'm just trying to ignore it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what a Bach even is at this point, because it just kind of happens, and umpires are like, that was a Bach, and like, everyone's like, it? all right. <laughs> sure, whatever, I can't argue with you. Yeah. And Blake Adams ended up coming in for the second time this series, ended up getting notching the victory in his favor, only going three innings, only giving up one hit on three strikeouts, 10 total batters faced, and 36 pitches. So all in all, this was probably the most complete performance we've had up to this point. Yep. McCullough, it's a pretty pedestrian stat line that he puts up there, but I think it's deceptive, uh, and it kind of hides the poise that he brings to the mound. He's one of the more confident pitchers. Uh, he's one of the most collected pitchers. Uh, we have a, a wide array of guys. Tyson Neighbors is very emotional. Uh, we have a lot of guys that are emotional. Uh, 
Rothermel and Fajardo uh, don't, they aren't passionate, they don't explode, but they do strut. Like when they get a strikeout, McCullough is very business oriented and he, I don't know, he's a lot of fun to watch. Maybe I'm biased because we share a name, but, but <laughs> Connor's <yeah>. superiority. <laughs> But he uh, he had a really quality out and quality start going six uh, innings with only two earned, so I believe that's that qualifies as a quality start, right? Yep. So six innings less than three or uh, three runs or less is quality start. The quality start for Mister McCullough. And then Blake Adams came in and finished everyone off. So it was a it was a nice outing, and even though we only take one in the series, it's over number six Oklahoma State. And that's that's a quality victory, regardless. So. Shout out to the one guy in our Twitter mentions who said yeah. like they lost the series though. Did we ask? Didn't ask. All I said was that we had a nice win. <laughs> Did we ask? The answer, resounding yeah. no. <laughs> but yeah, that that would put that win put K State back over five hundred on the season at fourteen and thirteen. They finally notch a Big Twelve victory. And then we ended up playing Crichton. Who has not been a bad team this year? No. We were going fifteen and eight going into this game, and we ended up beating them despite the fact that it got way too interesting in the last inning. <laughs> yep, yeah, this was a, a game. I remember I checked the uh, stat line. Uh, I was unable to watch, but I was checking the stat line periodically, and I saw in the bottom of the eighth, we you know, we added a run. We were up seven two going into the uh, top of the ninth, and I was like, we got this in the bag. I checked back later, and I was like. I hadn't seen the baseball account tweet about a win, and I saw that they tacked on three runs, and I was like, oh, man. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, I was very scared. Uh, the Batcats win it 7-5, to five, uh, although it should have been a larger margin of victory. They allowed uh, Creighton some uh, signs of life late. Batcats uh, do not uh, out-hit Creighton this game, 9-11, to 11, and they also have three errors to Creighton's one. Uh uh, over 1,200 people came out for this uh, midweek uh, showdown. On a cold, rainy night. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was very surprised to see that attendance. But uh, the Batcats got out to a hot start. Three-run homer in the first from Dylan Phillips. He just continues to add home. I, early in the season, there was a lot of pressure on him, I think, yep. to be the power hitter and be the power hitter then. And now... As we get further into the season, and other people are hitting home runs, some of that pressure has come off, and now that he has the record, at this point he's just hitting. Yeah. So it's it's coming more naturally. So you 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 like to see him maybe feel a little bit more comfortable. But a three run homer in the first, then Cole Johnson or Dom Johnson, I should say, as a, a home run, a solo shot in the second. Nick uh, Goodwin with a. Um, opposite field home run in the sixth to make it 5-2. And then uh, uh, Cole Johnson singled uh, to right center that scored Kalen Culpepper, uh, although he did get thrown out at second. And Orlando Salinas with a solo shot uh, in the bottom of the eighth. So we'll get to batting now. Dom Johnson goes two for three in this one with two runs, an RBI, a walk, and a strikeout and left on base. Jeff Heinrich goes one for two and gets a walk. We've been seeing a little bit more Jeff Heinrich recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a transfer from South Carolina, I believe, who I was hoping we'd see a bit more of uh, so far because the few times we have seen him, he's generally been quite good. Yeah. But I'm assuming we just don't trust him uh, out in the field because I think he's only been a DH up until this point. Yeah. Brady Day pinch hit for him and uh, did not reach base, and Cameron Osselton was the, the defensive sub uh, in right field. When Dylan Phillips went from right field to pitcher, again, uh, Phillips went one for three with a run, three RBIs, and a walk. Cole Johnson, one for four with an RBI and a strikeout. Goodwin, one for four with a solo shot. Nikoloff, one for four, three strikeouts. Salinas one for two, two walks. A lot of walks for Salinas recently. Mm-hmm. Justin Mitchell zero for three. Had a really hot start to the season. Did Justin Mitchell in terms of hitting, and he's really oh, cooled cool. off. And his defensive uh, abilities as catcher have also been a little suspect. Rafael Pelletier probably doesn't have as strong of a bat, but he's been. 
I really like him defensively. Yeah. He sometimes struggles with, with squeezing the pitch uh, and keeping it in. Uh, and, but he's, he has a really quick hop time mm-hmm. on uh, picking runners off. Yep. So I like that. Uh, and then Kalen Culpepper goes one for four with a strikeout. And you can cover home runs, I'll cover pitching. Yeah. Uh, home runs, Dom Johnson, Dylan Phillips, Nick Goodwin, and Orlando Salinas all homer in this game. Nearly all of K-State's runs came from homers, save from an RBI single from Cole Johnson that he tried to turn into a double. That did not get turned into a double. <laughs> Salinas got caught stealing in this game. Justin Mitchell was hit by a pitch. And uh, then Dom Johnson, Nick Goodwin, and Orlando Salinas all had fielding errors. Dom Johnson quietly has not had the best season fielding the ball, but the difference is that he's batting 400. Yeah. <laughs> so you can so, get away with it. Yep. So there's that. In terms of pitching, the I always just call them openers when they go for less than four. The opener for this game was Wesley Moore, who ended up going three and a third, giving up one run, one earned run, two runs total on three hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, one wild pitch, and two hit by pitch. Ended up getting taken out because his pitch count was getting up there, 79. Tyson Neighbors came in for the first time in a long while and ended up pitching one and a third innings, giving up two hits, one walk, no strikeouts, but did end up recording three outs, obviously, because he went one and a third. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then Blake Corsentino, who gets credited with victory in this game, ended up coming in next, pitching three and a third, giving up three hits on nine strikeouts after facing 13 batters. Then Dylan Phillips came in, decided to make the game interesting in the last inning, giving up three runs on three hits, no walks, one strikeout, and the strikeout was to end the game. How about Corsentino and Wesley Moore getting 17 combined strikeouts through and six and two-thirds? Yeah. That, that is power pitching. That is power pitching to yeah. a T. Yeah. And Wes Moore, you'd like to see him go a little further, but with the pitch count getting high, I get taking him out. Mainly because I want to see us develop our left-handers a little bit more because we don't have many left-handers on this roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wes Moore. Uh, gosh, who else? Are any of the starters lefties? Is Rothermel a lefty? Rothermel might be a lefty, but I'm... The fact that I'm struggling to think of left-handers, I think, is telling. Because, I mean, last year we had uh, Eric Torres and uh, Jordan Wicks yep. as uh, obvious uh, left-handers because they were the best on the roster, really. But I don't think it's going to tell. <laughs> I don't think it's going to tell us if they're right or left. Oh, wait, yeah, it is. So in terms of right-handed pitchers, we have a lot. And I'm just going to keep scrolling until we get to left. Wait, I probably passed them out. I'm thinking about it. I might be stupid. <laughs> Dylan Phillips' credit is outfield slash left-handed pitcher. If, okay, and that, that counts. And then we have uh, Grant Nicholson. Wesley Moore. Wesley Moore. And that's it. Oh. <laughs> we have two lefties. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Not much left-handed pitching. No. Not much from the southpaws. Not at all. It is very unfortunate. Wish we'd see this guy. We're looking at Jackson Wentworth. Yeah, w- wish Jackson Wentworth was, you know, around. But, yeah, this win against Crichton was a very quality win. Now, the next game that is played by K-State, the Batcats, is going to be versus Texas Tech in approximately 21 hours <laughs> in yeah. Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. I... I'm very nervous to take on number four Texas Tech, period. I'm not saying we're going to get schwacked. But. but. <laughs> it's especially the nerves of going on the road. Last year's Backcats team just could not figure it out on the road at any point in the season. So, I mean, this it's certainly an opportunity to figure it out. But, I mean, it's, it's a... I will admit, this is you could not ask for a tougher opening to Big 12 play, I think, at number 19 TCU for three games, three games against number six Okie State, at number four Texas Tech, and then come home and face top 25 Texas. Yeah, no, 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 that's not easy. I, I simply don't think it could get harder because, I mean, they just took all four of the best teams in the conference and just said play them all back to back to back to back. I'd rather not. Well, that's a shame. <laughs> we didn't ask, is didn't what ask. the baseball have said. Plus ratio. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the 
bright side of that is on the latter half of conference play, it's going to be uh, some of the lower squads. Uh, I mean, we'll get at OU and then home series against KU and then another home series against Baylor. A random game at Virginia Tech for some reason. And then we'll finish out the season at West Virginia. That's a ways away, though. We're in Virginia anyway, I guess. I, I That's probably actually it now I think about it. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a tough slate ahead for the Batcats, but they should be able to string some wins together after this uh, slate against Texas teams where they play at Wichita State, then they get Omaha at home, and then a three-game series against UC Irvine, and they go back to play the return game with Nebraska, which they were able to beat them the first time that they played, so hopefully they can get the season sweep on Nebraska. And then they'll face at OU to wrap up the month of April. Not sure I'm wrapping up the entire season right now, but, <laughs> but I, don't know, I just find it interesting. It's a difficult, difficult schedule for K-State baseball, but you're going to have to find wins in hard places because they want to make the NCAA tournament, and to do that, you're going to have to get wins you're not expected to get. So, Yep. So that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats. Thank you all for listening. If you want to contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville A Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C and capital B. And if you want to support the show in a financial sense, you can go to the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where we have such designs as Doom Tank Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.